Welcome to the Fear Being Average podcast, episode number nine of the Health, Fitness, and Performance series. I'm your host, Brandon Rinka, and on today's episode, we look at the topic of doing less and achieving more. Basically, what that entails is optimizing and maximizing your time, right? We all have 24 hours in a day. Time is finite, and we want to learn how to make it more effective for us, how to get more done in less time and get efficient results on top of that. So we take a look at five different topics to dive into today and the strategies that will help you maximize getting a lot more done in a fraction of the time. Guys, enjoy the episode and like always, comment, rate, and share the podcast and keep on listening. Enjoy. What's going on, guys? I am excited to bring this episode to you guys because it's a common one. It's a common issue, and I think with the society that we live in nowadays in terms of doing more and more is better, it's just the mantra, right? It's people that are – they feel like they have almost status that they constantly work and they constantly grind and they constantly hustle, and this was me. This was me probably three to five years ago where I was really proud of how much I did and how much I hustled. And the older you get and the wiser you get, you understand like, yeah, there's a big component to hustling and getting after it. But at the same token, it's not very realistic. It's not that healthy, right? In terms of you trying to nurture you know, your five pillars, whether it's emotional health and physical health, professional health, personal, mental health, all that stuff. If we're constantly focused on doing more to achieve more or to, to achieve enough, we're naturally going to neglect a lot of those areas. And that's not sustainable. It, it's not healthy for us. It's going to push people away. It's going to naturally harm us and create issues in our lives that we don't need and that could have been avoided if we chose to look at it a different way. And that's what this podcast episode is about. Uh, I had a talk with a client actually today that kind of got me thinking about this again. And this is something I've, I've preached constantly within the world of strength training and in terms of productivity and how you can enhance and create more fulfillment in your life because grinding all the time, I wouldn't say equates to fulfillment. I would say it equates to potential success and more money and greater status. But fulfillment, I would say no, because again, like we talked about, and mentioned there's a lot of opportunity to neglect a lot of important areas that are going to leave you feeling unfulfilled. So I wouldn't call that successful in the grand scheme of things. And of course, this podcast is about health and performance and longevity and fulfillment. And we want to create that across the board. So with that client, we were talking about, you know, her work schedule and how much of a grind it can be. And I just, you know, obviously being the coach I am, told her, hey, try to get up, get your body moving every hour or so. You know, do, do something where you're not constantly focused on the more and seeing how you can do more on less. And just the importance of her getting up and walking and moving her body. Um, and we'll get into that. But it was more just that refocus of you don't have to grind all the time. And I know sometimes you have this workload presented to you and it feels like you have to go. And yeah, there might be a lot to do, but at the same token, if the research is in the opposite direction, if the research shows that we can be more productive, get more done, have more fulfillment, have more creativity, produce better work by doing less 
and just navigating our environment more appropriately, why wouldn't you do that? You're getting the best of both worlds. You're nurturing all those other pillars of your life, plus you're getting just as much work done as if you were just to sit in front of a computer and go, go, go all day long. But it's like that mental hurdle. It's like telling people to eat more calories to burn more fat. And of course, this is a long game. I'm not saying if you eat more calories, you're just going to burn more fat just like that. No, but we're trying to build muscle. We're trying to increase tissue. We're trying to speed up the metabolism. We're trying to create a more appropriate homeostasis for the body. And then from there, we can lose fat more appropriately without losing muscle. So convincing somebody to do that, convincing someone who's eaten 1,500 calories for the last six months and hasn't seen the scale or their body composition improve that much you know, to tell them, hey, you're going to eat more food and that this is actually going to result in better recomposition of your body and health. Well, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you put it into perspective and you and you show them the process and you show them why, then they finally get it. But to that's a, that's a tough sell. That is a really hard sell as a coach and trainer because you're asking them to trust you. You're asking them to believe in the process and that we're here to actually build a foundation before we're just trying to speed past and get a result. So that's what we're trying to do here too. We're trying to build a foundation of success. We're not trying to constantly be the person who works out eight days a week, right? two times a day and follows a crazy restriction in terms of calorie intake. And, you know, they have to maintain that just to keep their body composition at a somewhat content level. Well, that's not healthy. So what we're trying to do is become the opposite of that. We're trying to build that foundation for the everyday individual. And this isn't just about fitness or health, guys. This is about overall health, right? And we're going to get into that to see how you guys, hence the name of the podcast, can do less and achieve more. Okay, we have five different ways of how we're going to approach that today. Um, Five main topics that we're going to cover and I'm going to cover just to show you how you can do less and actually achieve more. And this is going to go across the business plane. It's going to go across, you know, your personal relationships and development uh, in terms of your health and your emotion and your physical performance and just see how you guys can optimize those areas in less time. Okay, and get a better result while doing it. So let's jump into this one. So topic number one is strength training. So doing less and achieving more, we need to involve ourselves in strength training. Now, if you go to my website, the first thing that you'll see on there is we're here to get you strong, right? Trying to produce a stronger you, helping you get stronger. Those are the kind of main taglines, right? Because at the end of the day, strength has so many transfer over effects. Now, this isn't just from the physical. I also advocate and teach and educate on the mental aspect of developing your strength. Because without the mental strength, it's going to be really hard to stay consistent behind the f- developing the physical strength. So strength training, we are talking about the physical in this context here. But it's so transferable, right? There's so many elements of strength training and is the best form of pure exercise that anybody can do to achieve the greatest amount of results across as many platforms as possible. So what I mean by that, no other type of exercise, that can be cardio, that can be HIT, it can be sport, it can be Zumba, it can be yoga, mobility, whatever it is, none of those disciplines are going to have as much impact as strength training. So strength training, not only do you obviously get the strength development, which is 
critical in terms of longevity and all-cause mortality and you know builds this really strong foundation which obviously you can't get through the other um, disciplines nearly as effectively as traditional strength training right that's just a given but also the development of muscle fat loss efficiency the increased bone density um, you can actually be you know, preventative in terms of osteoporosis, um, uh, all-cause mortality is directly linked to grip strength. Um, that's what strength training is. You know, you're always holding on to dumbbells or you have barbells, something of that nature, rings, dips, whatever it is, grip strength is a huge portion of strength training. And, and then even the aerobic health, right? So all those things are a byproduct of strength training. Where, yes, doing cardio will have benefits. Yes, doing mobility will have benefits. Yes, and again, sorry, I didn't even mention that, but strength training has the mobility aspect. It helps you get stronger. Mobility is different than flexibility, right? Flexibility is being able to be you know, flexible. You, you're, you can stretch your limbs and you can stretch into different positions. Where mobility is more about being strong within those positions, right? It's having the stability and the base and the strength to get into a deep squat hold yourself there, contract, engage, and bring yourself back up into position, right? That's the difference in mobility and flexibility. So you have all these other small little disciplines that are great, great for development, right? I would totally suggest doing cardio. I would totally suggest doing playing sports and taking a yoga class and doing mobility work. Of course, those things should be a part of your weekly routine if you have the time for it but at the same token if we're talking about doing less and achieving more strength training is the go-to thing let's look at the research here the average person now this is the average person i might have really you know avid fitness enthusiasts listening to this podcast but the average person they have two to three hours dedicated to fitness per week right so if we think about that if the average person will only dedicate two to three hours per week to fitness and to exercise we need to make sure those two three two to three hours are maximized they are optimized two to three hours we want to get the most bang for our buck within those two to three hours so again would we just want to go into cardio for those two to three hours and we don't get the strength development we don't preserve or build muscle we lose fat inefficiently we reduce our calorie um sorry metabolic rate we don't achieve um stronger bone density we don't do much for all-cause mortality. We only improve aerobic health. Of course not. But I want to just do yoga with those two to three hours where I increase my flexibility. Depending on the yoga, we could increase our isometric strength, of course, but we're going to not have the muscle development. We're not going to have the fat loss element. Again, the bone density, the all-cause mortality, even the aerobic health isn't there. No, of course not. So what I'm saying is we got to go towards strength training. Strength training provides us the best of all worlds, right? It has a little bit of everything. You can even get really good aerobic health with strength training, right? If you do some high volume work, if you go into some muscular endurance for a block of training or you finish your workout with some 100 rep sets, which are really good at increasing you know, capillary density and increasing the blood flow to the muscles, that's a great way to increase your aerobic health, right? Do 20 rep back squats, do some muscular endurance stuff, you're going to get a great response. Do some HIIT training in there, which, again, I would say in a strength setting, amazing. There's so many different ways that you can incorporate the different elements into your strength training that will get the best of all worlds. So you, so when we're talking about doing less and achieving more, especially if you're someone with a very limited schedule, you got to invest in strength training, 
right? I got a couple clients a week where they only have two to three hours. Again, I know this is the average person. I have a couple clients that they only dedicate that same exact two to three hours to fitness per week. Everything else is more in terms of neat, right? That non-exercise activity thermogenesis, where it's more like kind of whatever happens during the day and you burn calories. You know, that's how they burn calories. They don't do anything else intentionally. So when I'm working with them and if I only got two hours with them, you know for a fact we're going into strength training. We're trying to build some tissue. We're trying to increase our metabolic rate. We're trying to get all the benefits out of it, burn the fat, increase the bone density, you know, enhance well-being and longevity, you know, strengthen, eliminate pain, increase, uh, sorry, improve posture, all those things are going to be achieved with strength training. And again, you're never going to get nearly as many of those things with any other single discipline. You might get one or two of those things. You're not going to get eight or 10 across the board. So this is a no brainer. And not only that, guys, if you're worried about the calorie aspect, well, I heard cardio burns more calories than strength training within the hour. Sure. But you're not getting all those other benefits. And with strength training, it has the epoch effect, right? Which is excess post-exercise oxygen consumption, meaning that you're going to burn more calories at rest after the fact. So when you do a steady state bout of cardio, you're going to burn maybe 400 to 600 calories within that hour. With strength training, it might be 250 calories, maybe 300. So you're 300 less within that hour. But guess what? We still have another 23 hours in that day to go. With strength training, you constantly burn calories throughout the day. Where cardio, you don't get that same benefit. Why? Because when you do strength training, you build muscle tissue. It's a very expensive tissue. There's a lot of repair needs, needs to be done, and rejuvenation, and building of muscle tissue. So that requires more energy. It requires more calories to be used. So you don't get that with cardio or strength training. You're going to get that. And at the end of the day, you could have two strength training days per week compared to four cardio-based days, and you're going to end up burning more calories at the end of the week just based on that. And that's doing half the work, right? Let alone only having two to three hours and you have to have the exact same work. So half the work would be more beneficial in terms of calorie production uh, or reduction and all the other benefits we talked about. So yes, off the bat, strength training is a go-to you have to do in terms of doing less and achieving way more and optimizing your time. Number two, guys, breaks every hour so this is where my client and i had a discussion about right and her work schedule being what it is and i said you know what just make sure and you get the chance you know every hour or so get up move your body get some steps in you know you know take a break you know mentally walk away disconnect from what you're doing right and i get her schedule is crazy then i obviously followed up with saying hey the research supports this research shows that if you take breaks every hour or so, you're going to be more productive, more mentally engaged, more creative, more self-aware, you know, more focused, more deliberate with your work. And that's the end of, end of the day. I don't care if someone works eight hours in front of a screen. If I can get the same amount of work, if not more, within four hours because I take breaks, and I'm very effective and self-aware with you know, what my body and mind needs, that's someone who is optimizing their schedule that is someone who has a better take on delivery and time over how much we actually have to put in right end of the day i want to work smart i'm going to work very hard to get what i get but at the same time i want to work really smart so i don't have to work overly hard 
right? I have a lot of things I want to do, right? I have a lot of other areas I want to nurture in my life. I love exercising. I love getting outside. I love doing podcasts. I love reading. I love writing. I love educating myself, right? Reading articles online. If I was constantly in front of a screen having to work for eight hours, I wouldn't have the energy to do that, right? Hang out with the family, have meals, whatever the case may be. I want more time for those things. And I want to enhance my overall well-being. So if I can get just as much work done in five hours compared to eight because I'm more mentally engaged and stimulated because I'm taking appropriate breaks, why wouldn't I do that? And if the research supports it, we need to get behind that. We can we can constantly fight that and say, no, 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 me being in front of a screen, I get more done. It's eight hours of work compared to year five. Okay, that on, on paper, that makes sense. Eight better than five. Eight hours compared to five hours, yeah, you should get more done. But that's not how it works. There are a lot of moving elements, right? If we look at Travis Bradbury, he, he wrote the Emotional Intelligence 2.0, so EI 2.0. And obviously, he does a lot of research on the human brain and productivity and emotional intelligence for people that might not know what that is. It's about self-management, self-awareness, um, basically, you know, your emotional intelligence skill set. So he looks a lot at the brain. And he goes into the neurological effect of how the human brain actually works. So the human brain naturally works in bouts of energy in terms of high activity that lasts about an hour. So what Travis suggests here is, and they did the research behind it, the ideal work rhythm in terms of a neurological effect is 52 minutes on, 17 minutes off. So again, about every hour we're taking 15 minutes or so, or just before the hour in terms of this particular study, and we're walking away, we're disconnected. Now, how this works isn't just by us stopping to work, right? We need to actively disengage with work, right? We need to walk away from, from you basically completely separate from their work, and that's what makes it effective. So that can look like going for a walk, you know, talking to a spouse or child, grabbing some water, eating something healthy, whatever it is, right? Just disconnecting, maybe doing some meditation, some breath work, you know, going and watching TV for a second, you know, just kind of unwind and kind of disconnect from the work. Just you got to basically walk away from it. And again, the research supports it, that this is a very effective approach. Um, There's also something called the Pomodoro technique, which is 25 minutes of work with a five minute break and then taking a 15-minute break once every two hours. So there's shorter breaks within the hour. That Every two hours, though, they do still suggest a longer, more sufficient break where you can you know, do a little bit more. That's going for maybe a 10-minute walk outside. It's just giving you more time to, to get a few things done, maybe socializing with a coworker, something of that nature, You know, walking downstairs and, and grabbing a bite or whatever, right? It just gives you a little bit more time. Now, in terms of the research, it's less effective, this Pomodoro technique, the 25 minutes of work sessions, five minute breaks, it's less effective than the one break every hour. So it's less effective than the 52 minutes on, 17 minutes off type deal, which makes sense. I like to get into a flow. I felt if I took breaks every 25 minutes, I could be in a really good flow and I wouldn't want to just take myself out of there. So I, I would personally gravitate more to the one break every hour. Um, but back to the research, so it's less effective than the one break every hour, but it's still more effective than someone who takes no breaks at all. 
and basically just grinds for two to three hours at a time. And then they walk away quickly for two to three minutes and they come, come back to it, right? It's just not enough to disconnect. It's not enough to disengage. It's not enough to get your mind and body in a creative, more focused, well-driven manner. And that the research supports it. So again, we can either fight the research or we can you know, gravitate to the research and use it to help benefit our productivity and allow us to produce better work in a more efficient time frame, right? Um, we look at it here, the energy project founder, um, last name is Schwartz here. He says every 90 minutes to take short breaks. So his research backed up, you know, in terms of full focus to physiological fatigue every minute. So if we want to get our mind to be fully focused Compared to when our body, sorry, when our mind starts going into more of a you know fatigue state, it occurs about every ninety minutes or so. So again, anybody who wants to just pump away work for two to three hours at a time, not very effective, right? It, it really isn't at the end of the day. You might get work done, you might you know produce content, you might get things complete, but it's way less productive. And I'm sure less efficient than if you were to take the breaks, obviously, right? It's not saying that you can't work for three hours in a row and you can't write and you can't, you know, make PowerPoints or whatever you have to do at home or, or you know, run the numbers, but you would be more efficient, you'd get more done, and the work would be of greater quality if you took and implemented these breaks. So again, guys, this is the research behind it. I, for one, live by this. You know, I'll get into flow states where I'll work for an hour straight. This podcast, for example is going to be about an hour, you know, 50 minutes or so. And by the end of it, I'm usually pretty, you know, from a physiological standpoint and a mental standpoint, pretty fatigued, right? Doing a lot of talking, a lot of educating, a lot of reading, and a lot of talking, obviously, again, um, just to reaffirm how much talking I actually do. But yeah, so by the end of it, you know, I'm, I need a break. I need something. And that's when I'll go downstairs, I'll grab some water, you know, I'll take a seat for a second, I'll go for a walk, I'll go outside and just sit right? I'll just hang out for a second. I'll get a few things done, go to the washroom. Then when I come back to it, I'm refocused. I'm re-engaged with the material where if I kept going and tried to produce another podcast after this, went right into a bout of writing. And then maybe I went on to my website and did some, did some work there again, or tried writing a blog. It's just not going to be very efficient. I'll get it done. I'll get some work produced, but it'll be way inferior compared to if I were to take the break digest, come back to it with a refocused, re-engaged mindset. And again, research backs up, guys. So make sure you're taking breaks every hour or so, worst case, every 90 minutes, or you could use the Pomodoro technique at 25 minutes of work, five-minute break, and then a 15-minute break at once every two hours or so. A lot of different techniques you guys can use, but clearly walking away, disengaging, coming back to it is a healthy thing to do. And hopefully companies are, are really adopting this and understanding that, hey, Working these crazy, you know, long hour days, it really isn't that productive. It's basically just, you know, a, a, a bitch move in terms of, hey, I want my employee to do more work regardless of how much they actually get done. We all know the majority of people that are at their office for 10 hours, they're scrolling social media, they're doing shit all. But at the end of the day, the company's happy because they're just there. Or again, that's just a very short-sighted mindset. It's not taking into consideration the mental well-being of an individual and overall productivity and how I can get more of someone in less time. That's productivity 101, right? That's someone who's optimizing 
their routine and their schedule and their structure. And again, there's even studies, I know Jordan Peterson talked about before I move on here, with lawyers, right? Lawyers, obviously, they work insane hours, right? Up, upwards of, you know, 80-hour work, work weeks or some, something of that nature. And they would have a really hard time disconnecting from their job, right? They knew that to make money, they had to be involved in cases and they had to do the research and they had to be, you know, head in the books. And he would tell the lawyers, like, guys, you we're going to force you to go on vacation, go away for a week or two, completely disconnect. And again, for a lot of lawyers, this was like, an absolute no. This was something they couldn't afford to do, right? They were going to lose money. They were going to lose clients. Um, it was a backward strategy. But again, some of the lawyers trusted them and, and listened to Jordan Peterson's reasoning and the research behind it. When they came back, they were more productive. The research backed it up. They were more engaged with their work. They were more focused. They were more productive, obviously, but they're more mentally stimulated. They wanted to be there, right? They weren't just hustling away because that's what they do, but they were more engaged with the process and the day-to-day processes. So this is like, end of the day, guys, this is is pretty cut in stones, pretty black and white. You can either fight it and go against it and refuse to adopt that strategy, or you can use it to your advantage, get more out of your day, get more out of that routine and that structure and nurture other areas more appropriately, right? If you're able to take some breaks, we're going to get more steps in. We're going to get healthier nourishment. We're going to drink more water. We're going to have healthier foods. We're going to have more social connection, more sunlight, right? More time with the dog, taking him for a walk, right? It's all good stuff. And all those things allow you to be more creative, more productive, more engaged, more focused. So again, guys, don't fight it. Number three, we're going into... Interval training over static cardio for improved health and performance. So for those of us that don't know what interval training exactly is, um, it's shorter bouts of intensity that are done at a higher intensity. And maybe intensity isn't the right word, even though it's, you know, HIIT training is high intensity interval training. Intensity really means the load you're using. So it really is more speed. So you're going at a faster speed. That's what intervals are. Where static cardio, you would pick a very slow twitch amount of speed, right? Something that you could hold for 30 minutes, 60 minutes, and there would be no gradual increase. It'd be something that our body could just move towards, right? Consistently and, and not really tire. That, that's static cardio. We're interval training. We're going at a pace that we couldn't hold for longer than 30 seconds to one minute, something of that nature. Depending on the activity, that can be as little as five to 10 seconds, can be as long as, you know, 60, 60 seconds max, I would say. Even that, we're, we're probably pushing it a little bit. Um, you know what? No, I'll take that back. We can, we can get up to, you know, four or five minute intervals for sure. I, I do trail, trail runs and trail intervals while I go for four or five minutes. I'm working at a pace way faster than my mile time and I'm clearly getting way more effect out of it. So yeah, we can go up to that point, but in terms of like resistance training in terms of intervals, um, yeah, typically I like to be on the shorter end. That's all. So just, just be mindful of that. But yes, interval training is much more effective than just static cardio in terms of a time efficiency standpoint, obviously. Now, there's this book I read from a McMaster University prof, and it is the One Minute Workout, okay, by Barton Gabala. No, Gabala. What's his last name here? I had the book right in front of me. 
Yeah, Gibala. Okay, we're going with that. And his whole thing, he does a ton of research on interval training. Of course, the one-minute workout, you can catch it by its name. That, yes, is very short-duration um, workouts here. And he talks a lot about and shows a lot of the research to back it up that doing interval training can get you a lot of the same similar benefits and comparable improvements in aerobic capacity as doing an hour bout of steady-state cardio, Right. So imagine that. Imagine you could improve your VO2 max and your aerobic capacity. VO2 max basically being at how how much oxygen you can basically take in and produce at a time, right? And how high it can kind of get. And aerobic capacity is how long you can go for, right? And doing shorter bouts of high intensity is, is comparable to the static state cardio, of 30 minutes to one hour. Now that is time optimization at its finest. If I can get the same result in a four minute bout of Tabata, Tabata being 20 seconds on, 10 seconds off for eight rounds compared to a one hour steady state bout of cardio, that's crazy. Now here's the caveat. With high intensity interval training, it is much more challenging. It's a hard, high, intense interval. So if we're doing the Tabata, for example, probably one of the more well-known types of interval training, 20 on, 10 off, those 20 seconds are a brutal 20 seconds. It is a max capacity effort for 20 seconds and then a short 10-second rest, and then we're doing that max capacity again, whatever that may be, for another 20 seconds. We're doing eight rounds of that, and that is just as effective as steady state cardio. So that is the caveat, that we're working our body a lot harder within those four minutes compared to a lot easier, a lot more sustainable within an hour. So if you're all about time and doing less and achieving more, this is the clear way to go. Now, for you guys to get a little perspective, I'm getting ready for a record summer project in in terms of strength and endurance and it's going to involve me doing a lot of aerobic work some biking some swimming some running probably around the five to six hour mark every single day i'm not going to get into details of it but that's what it would look like in a day then i do some strength training after that and for me how i'm getting my body ready for this you would think well oh my god brand's gonna be doing five to six hours of aerobic work long distance endurance per day that he must be doing long distance training. He must be riding his bike for hours. He must be running for at least 60 minutes to 90 minutes. Every time he goes out there, he must be swimming for long periods. No, what I'm going to do is interval train, right? I'm going to work smarter. I'm going to dive into training that allows me to preserve muscle mass because I need muscle for the project I'm taking on, preserve strength, increase my strength, increase my VO2 max, increase my aerobic capacity, and do it in less time because I'm time efficient. I don't want to waste my time. I don't want to go out there and beat my body up. I can't afford to do that. I can't afford to stay strong and lift weights the way I do and the way I'm getting ready for this project and do hour bouts of cardio because guess what? I'm going to lose muscle mass. I'm probably going to beat up my joints a little bit more. And I'm going to overwork the system. I'm going to increase stress. I can't afford to increase stress. So even though those these little intervals will increase stress substantially as well, I have way more time to nurture. Imagine that. The next 50 minutes, I can go for a little bit of a walk. I can 
you know, reduce and flush out the, the toxins and the waste and the lactic acid. I can do some recovery. I can eat more. I, I can preserve muscle mass. I can keep lean tissue. All good things. All the things I want. So I'm preparing for this event that is going to involve a ton of endurance with interval training because I want to maximize time. I want to do less and I want to achieve more. And we'll see how this works, right? At the end of the day, this is what I did two years ago. I did a lot of long running and long sessions when I was preparing for ultra marathons and some of my projects. And then last year, I bumped into uh, a project called North America's Longest Ultra Endurance Project. Always a name I got I to gotta think about. And it involved a lot. It involved a 62-mile run. Involved a 200-kilometer bike ride. Involved a five-hour swim with a tree. So in a marathon swim, this is back-to-back-to-back, guys. All right, take that in. About 30, 35 hours of of exercise. Back-to-back. Barely any breaks. And I did a lot of my work in terms of the intervals. I didn't stick to just four minutes of work, no, because this is a, I was a ultra distances, but I definitely was more efficient. I went into more speed work. I did less work. I was more efficient with my training. I had a couple long sessions. Yeah, I needed my body to get adapted to move for 25 miles at a time when running, but that was once a week near the end of my training. The majority of the time, I was more in that interval base. I was more in that, that shorter, more intense type of training, and I did that less often because obviously when we do interval training, it does beat the body up a little bit in terms of we can't do hard intervals intervals day after day um, compared to steady state cardio. I could basically do that every single day, depending on how my body held up in terms of joint health. But from interval training, there's more of a recovery aspect needed for it. And, but that allows me to recover and mobilize and stretch and, you know, protect the tissue and eat and do all the stuff I need to do in a more timely fashion. So take that for what it is for you guys, right? Um, other intervals, just so you guys know in terms of you're like, well, what other intervals can you do to bottle? We talked about 20 on, 10 off. You can do 30 on, 30 off, right? So you do a, a high intensity somewhere. Uh, if we're looking at a, at a 10 scale, 8 out of 10 scale um, would be good or higher, 30 on, 30 off. Chances are you can't go 10 on for 30 seconds. Um, our body, because of the uh, lack of ATP after about 8 to 10 seconds, it naturally goes away that we can only go at such such an intensity for 30 seconds. Um, one minute on, 30 seconds off, reverse that, right? One minute off, 30 seconds on. Sprints work really well. I'll do sets where I do 10-second sprints. And I do something called an EMOM, so every minute on the minute. So I'll do a 10-second sprint, 50-second break, 10-second sprint, 50-second break, right? So every minute on the minute, I do that 10-second sprint. So that would be a 5-to-1 rest-to-work ratio. But that's an interval. It's a 10-second interval. Um, So you can play around with it. The shorter the interval, the higher the pace, the higher the intensity. I have that in brackets because the intensity is usually meant towards load. But for the general population, intensity can mean speed or rate of activity. Um, If it's a longer interval... Yes, naturally, the intensity will be reduced. But there is no debating this whatsoever. If you're looking to improve your aerobic capacity, uh, if you're looking to preserve muscle mass, increase fat loss in a shorter amount of time, HIIT training and interval training is superior to steady state cardio. That doesn't mean don't do steady state. You might love going. I love going out for trail runs, right? Five miles, 10 miles, whatever it is, three miles. 
I'll go out for, for it one. I'm not looking to be efficient with my time. I'm just doing it because I love to do it. So when I say these things, it's not about don't do these things. You're wasting your time. You might love it. It might be great for your mental health. You might love being out in nature. I love doing that stuff. So I'm right, right there with you. But in terms of someone who wants to do less and achieve more, intervals is where it's at. Okay, guys, number four, structured blocks of time. So when we're trying to do more, it's going to behoove us to take the time beforehand and structure those blocks out rather than waking up in the morning and going, okay, what's my day look like? That seems like less work because we didn't do anything the night before. We didn't journal. We didn't wake up in the morning and block out our time. We just woke up and said, okay, I'm going to make my day. My day is going to just come together. That is more taxing than the person who takes the five to 10 minutes. So it's almost that backwards thinking, take five to 10 minutes to gain all that time back the next day. Right, You take those 5 to 10 minutes the night before or the morning of, maybe 15 minutes, okay, I don't want to oversell it, and you talk about your day. Or you think about your day and you write it out. You structure your day. How do I want to lay out my day? What routine do I want to have that will optimize my schedule and create a flow to my day? Right. What this does after that, because that 10 to 15 minutes is designated to structure out your day. So we know that. right? We put the time aside. That's the only thing that matters in that 10 to 15 minute little period is structuring your day out to maximize your day. After that, we don't got to think about it, right? If we didn't do that 10 to 15 minutes, then we go into our day, we're constantly thinking about what should I do? Is this the right thing? How much time should I spend here? What if I do this first? What if I go there? Oh my God, I still have to do this later on. Oh my God, I forgot to do this. It becomes a chaotic crapshoot of what to do, when to do it, and how long to do it for. So... The suggestion of structuring blocks of time within your day and taking those 10 to 15 minutes to really think about it and put together a schedule that makes sense for you that you want to engage in, right? It will save you time. It will create less mental energy. It will eliminate decision fatigue. And decision fatigue is a real real thing. When you get into the day and you're constantly thinking about the 10 different things you have to do in the moment and how you're going to do it and when you're going to do it, it is fatiguing. It is exhausting. It is draining to the system, the mental and the physical system. When this happens, when this occurs, we have less energy to make productive, logical-based decisions. We don't want to compromise that. We don't want to take a chance doing that. right? We, don't, we can't afford to be irrational or emotional when thinking about going to the gym or eating healthy or showing up and writing or, or reading that night or spending time with the family and being mentally focused and engaged and not disconnected, right? We want to be present. If we had to think about that stuff, it's going to come across, it's not going to work out basically, okay? We, we can't afford to do that. We want to eliminate as much decision fatigue as possible. So we just show up, we look at our journal, we go, okay, 2 p.m., I'm doing a podcast. Amazing. Go do your podcast. Do it for an hour. Uh, I saw a C here, three o'clock. Okay, I got nothing on the schedule. Maybe you can float, play around with that one. Maybe you'll go for a you know, make, make some, make some food. You'll go for a walk, jump on a call, watch some TV, whatever it is. And I know I'm talking like everyone works at home or has a freelance business. I know that's not the position a lot of people are in, but I'm just saying, for example, that structure you would create for yourself if that's routine that you have. But once you do that, it's off, right? You don't have to think about it again. It's there for you. It's laid out. It's as if here's a daily agenda and you just got to follow it. There's no thinking to it. You just show up and you do it and then you walk away once the time ends, right? It's simple. It's easy. You don't got to stress about it. It's going to save you 
a lot of time, right? So one and, and the one thing I do like to talk about in this is once you do that thing, so say you structure a block of time for writing, this is what, you know, I'm not saying I'm the greatest at this. This is stuff I'm actively working on. But if I structure time to write between, let's just say, 2 to 3 p.m., and I write, whether it's the best piece of writing material I've ever done or the worst, I need to walk away from that. And I need to be content with that. I need to be okay that I did it. And that I have other things scheduled. I have other things structured. I have other things of importance that I need to give my time and attention to that I'm going to put off any further work until tomorrow. That's what a structure does, right? It prevents you from overthinking the process. It prevents you from constantly going back and feeling like it's not enough. Because that's just something that I struggle with, right? I'm like, man, that was a shit 30 minutes of writing. Or I, or I, or I barely wrote anything. I just stared at the computer and I kind of messed around or whatever. It's not not good. And so I go back to it at night and I'm constantly thinking about it and I can't disconnect, right? And I'm trying to get better at this, right? So this is the, why I do the research and this is why I try to implement these strategies because I wasn't happy with that process. So again, structuring blocks of time allows me to get the work done, put it off to tomorrow again, come back to it tomorrow with a better, more well-focused mindset, understand I have a block of time to work on it. I'm going to maximize that 30 minutes. I'm going to maximize that hour, whatever I gave myself, I'm going to try to get as much done as possible. I have a clock to it, and then I'm going to walk away from it afterwards and be happy and content that I showed up. If I do that day after day, great work will be produced. I will get a lot done at the end of a month, at the end of a week, at the end of a year. It's the showing up. It's the structure, right? It's eliminating the decision fatigue so you don't feel exhausted making these decisions. You don't feel like it's an emotional versus logical-based decision. And Hopefully, I'm in a logical state. We want to avoid whether we're emotional or logical. So when we wake up or before bed, typically, we're in a more you know relaxed state of being if we have the time. If not, make the time, right? Whatever you feel. If you're more of a night person, okay, do it the night before. If you're more of an early morning person, when you get up an hour before you have to kind of really get ready for work, then do that, right? Take the time to set the tone for your day, build momentum. And then you know you did your day's work at that point. And the structure will allow you to get a lot more done in way less time. And I know that 10 to 15 minutes feels like it's more work for you, but trust me, it will save you mental energy. It will get more work produced, more better work produced, which is the ultimate goal. And guys, last one here. This is from the four-hour work week from Tim Ferriss. His book talks about how obviously how to maximize time. This is probably the best book in terms of doing less and achieving more. When he talks about the four-hour work week and he goes into automation in terms of how to really structure your schedule and routine best for you so you can live a more fulfilled, stimulating, exciting life on your own terms, more free life. But the one thing I want to highlight in terms of his four-hour work week suggestion uh, in terms of this podcast is setting time for small tasks. And this is going to save you so much time. This is going to allow you to get way more of the priority tasks done and less of the medial kind of just they're their tasks that kind of keep kind of like it's almost like that that little uh, bug or gnat that's like kind of picking at you all day long, right? Those things don't need to be given top priority, right? Getting back to an email, getting back to a text, jumping on social media, like those things don't need to be done or posted on social media, let me say, right? Those things will get done, but they definitely should not be your main priority or focus. You obviously have other areas of your life that need much more nurturing and are going to produce a much greater result for your business and your well-being, right? 
Those things are medial. They're small. They're minute in the grand scheme of things. So why constantly go back to them? And doing that and engaging with those dis- distractions throughout the day, constantly going back to emails. Now, again, guys, I'm not a saint on this. This is stuff that I've had to work on and I'm still working on. So a lot of these things that I talk about, I'm actively engaging in myself, right? Because I understand I want to do less and I want to achieve more. So, and this is probably one of the biggest areas that I can fall short is I get an email and I go to it right away, right? That's that's bad strategy, right? I'm taking myself out of the present and I'm actually getting less done in more time, which is terrible strategy, obviously. So what he suggests is you want to set blocks for these small medial tasks. You want to set times for these small medial tasks, five to 10 or say five to 15 minutes for each of these little blocks. And you can do it once to two to three times per day, right? Emails, for example, you can, if you want, you can check your emails in the morning. You can check them morning and afternoon. You can check them morning, afternoon, evening, but that's it. You're not, if, and you set the time, right? It might be, I'm going to check it before um, I actually get into my work. So at 8 a.m., I'm going to check my emails for five minutes, get to anything that I, that I have to, any, any urgent emails. I'm not going to check my email again until lunchtime or right before lunch or right after lunch. Then I'm only going to check it in the evening. Or you pick one of those times because you're like, well, doing it three times per day is too much. So you limit it to two or one. And you let your your prospects and your clients and your coworkers know, right? If you have the availability, if you have the opportunity, right? And again, that I think everyone has the opportunity. Once you actually tell people, hey, I'm more productive this way. I get more work done. Your boss shouldn't fight you on this. If he says, no, you get back to the emails right away. Now, some of them are urgent. I get it. But if you educate them and you articulate yourself appropriately and say, hey, I get more work done. I'm more productive. I make the company more money. I make you more money when I'm spending more time on the major tasks and less than the medial tasks. I'm sure he'll, he'll, he'll see that. And then once you prove it, it's on you to prove that, then he's not going to bother you at all, right? But you need to protect your time. You need to stop engaging in work that isn't bringing you in more money, that isn't helping you progress, that is taking your attention away from the major tasks that are creating true fulfillment and freedom in your life. So text messages, same thing. If you have a hard time because your phone's always around, you put your phone away, right? Put it in a different room, come back to it. Whether that's one time a day, no times in the day, only in the evening, put it on airplane mode, no, do not disturb mode. You need to control that. You have the option, right? If it's tempting, get it away, get it out of the room. Social media, same thing. If I post something because I'm trying to produce content, produce something of value, I need to understand that, hey, when I go on to social media, there's a lot of temptation on there, right? There's notifications, there's likes, there's a search page, there's my, obviously, you know, friends and followers, whatever you want to call them, and you're going through your page, there's too much temptation. So me knowing it going on and saying, well, I'm just going to post right now because I want to, I know that's going to take probably five minutes away from me. I don't, I don't want to fight the willpower to post and get off. I might say, okay, I'm only going to post at this time of day. I'm only going to come back on this time of day to respond to messages or respond to comments or engage with my followers, provide values. Those are the only times. And then it's not like you're going back every time there's a notification or they're not going back every time someone messages you. Messages you. That's okay. You don't have to be that. Just because we are that accessible doesn't mean we should be that accessible. We want to create more freedom. We want to get more done in less time. I'm telling you, going back and forth through emails to your text messages, to your social media all day long 
is limiting how much work you can get done and is drastically reducing the amount of money you are making, drastically reducing the amount of fulfillment in your life, drastically reducing the amount of well-being that could be taking place, going for walks, drinking water, having healthy snacks, meditating, taking a quick siesta, right? All these things, connecting with people, things that are way more valuable, important than jumping on these medial tasks throughout the day, eight hours a day, 10 hours a day. You need to create boundaries. You need to set a standard for yourself. So set time for these small tasks, stick to it and don't go away from it, right? Don't get tempted, right? It'll take time. You'll have to get used to it. And like I said, if there's any feedback of like, why does it take you so long to get back? Tell them, let them know, put that in your email, put that in, you know, writing somewhere, tell people that need to know that, right? Do your homework, do your due diligence to prepare people, right? To preempt people on what strategy you are using to live a more fulfilling, well-balanced, healthy, happy life. All right, guys, that is it for the podcast. Like always, you can check out brandonrecca365.com for free resources in terms of blogs with mental well-being and health and fitness and nutrition. Also, there are programs available, online programs for coaching. Um, there are also ebooks. I have a nutrition ebook. Yes, I wrote that during the lockdown to help you guys out. It's a 104-page ebook to help maximize what you're doing in terms of the nutrition space and giving you all the tools and strategies that have helped myself and clients really maximize that space without overthinking it. Okay, guys, like always, keep checking out the podcast. Look forward to seeing or hearing you on the next one. Take care.